0: You are listening to audio from Summit Community Church. You can join us Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. on our YouTube
1: channel at SCC Morganton.
0: Good morning, church, and welcome to Summit Community Church to worship together here on our campus and online, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Glad to be with you today. I hope you're all with us last Sunday for our Go Sunday with the three missionaries and their families represented who are with us to partner with us in our backyard and beyond reach in our ministry of missions effort here and around the world. Uh, that is just the beginning of what we're looking forward to, that more things are to come. But we had on the stage three people representing their families and missions around the world. Now, you got to understand that being involved locally and internationally is something that takes effort that you've been shut down for three years. And so we're moving forward, we're getting ready, we're launching out, we're ready to go. And so that was Go Sunday, fully engaged, all about it, let's go, let's be all about it, and get, re-back, get back re-engaged in our backyard and beyond. Now, as we talked about last week, there are three things for us to remember, to properly align our hearts with the heart of God in missions. Now, and a couple of exercises for, to do with me, first of all, I want you to say these with me. First is this, blessed to be a blessing. Say it. Backyard and beyond. Give and go. Here's how it ties together. We are blessed to be a blessing. To glorify God and share Christ in our backyard and beyond by giving and going. That's our mission. That's what God has called us to. That's how we're to be engaged in mission efforts here and around the world. For the past couple weeks, we've talked about missions. We addressed two specific questions in the beginning. The first question was this, why, why go? Basically, why do we go on mission in our backyard and beyond? Second question was, why give? Why do we give to missions? Why do this? Now, last week was Go Sunday, be fully engaged, be all in, to meet our missionaries on the stage and really practice being fully involved. While Nathan with Engadi Ministries, his wife Claudia, who cannot be with us, Jake Edwards, who Jen could not be with him in Costa Rica, Luke with Inka Link, and his wife Jessica who could not be with us as well. While they were on the stage, they were here to prompt us and show us that they're partnering with us, that we are blessed to be a blessing in our backyard beyond reach by giving and going with these missionaries on the stage. There's more to come, as I said. Just stay tuned, stay alive, stay well, stay focused. And the way I describe this, a couple of friends of mine is this. When I was a kid, all I can describe right now is we're going to spend a couple more weeks talking about why we're on mission. What does this look like? How are we to be on mission? When, years ago, and I'll date myself by a couple of things in this sermon today. When I was a kid, about 12 years old, we'd go to Carowinds several times a year. There was a brand new ride at Carowinds called White Lightning. Now, in the day, it was the fastest roller coaster that I had ever been on. It was basically a roller coaster that had one loop. It went like this, and you went back by gravity, and you're done. It didn't last but 45 seconds. But I thought that was the best thing in the world. And the the announcer would come on and talk about all this stuff about, since you're going over the top in a loop, make sure all your stuff is secure, glasses in your pockets, nothing's hanging around your neck. You'll lose it on the loop, so be secured. And they said, and by the way, when we announced to to launch in, make sure your head's against the headrest because when it takes off, with the G-force it takes off with, it'll give you whiplash. I'm 12 years old. And I'm going, what is whiplash? I don't know. I'm invincible, you know? So I ignored that part, and I'm talking to a friend of mine. We're gabbing about the excitement of the ride, and the guy goes like this. Lightning strikes. Pause. Now. Pause. And all of a sudden, he goes, it takes off. My head busted back in that headrest. I said, now I know what he means. It took off. But I had to hold on. In this mission effort that we're re-engaging with, Backyard and Beyond, that's how I want to describe it to you. God's revealing himself one step at a time. And God is telling us, hang on. He's going to give us the ride of our life. Just hang on. Because God is in control of this whole reach, Backyard and Beyond. It's exciting for me to share this with you. And I know that we're spending a couple more weeks because I don't think we're doing it justice by a week or two or three to talk about this. How big it is. We're going to spend two more weeks after today in this theme of omission. October 16th will be a day we're gathering together during this service, nine fifteen and 1030, to talk about the church, where we are and where we're at now, where we're going, and talk about specifically some International, how that's going to play out for us in giving to our missions, backyard and beyond. We're looking at how we can be most effective in being on mission for Christ. Today, the hard truth we've got to realize is this, to be on mission for God, to be what we we're supposed to be before God, what He designs us to be and calls us to be, to glorify Him and share Christ, it all begins in our hearts. It all begins in this heart of ours. I'm not talking about this physical heart that's beating to keep us alive, but by the way, to share Christ verbally in this world, it's pretty important to be alive, but we're not talking about this physical heart. We're talking about this heart that God embeds in us at the moment of salvation. It becomes the epicenter of all of our emotions. That becomes the drive for us to be Christ-like in how we live and how we serve and how we go and what we do. That's the heart that we're talking about. It's this new heart God's implants in us the day we come to know Him and we begin that journey of following Him. That's the heart we're talking about. Today in our scripture that Michaela read so wonderfully for us, God fully, truly, authentically defines what love really is and what it looks like. We're going to dig back into God's Word and say, God, define love for us. Now, I challenge you with this. Today is not a deep theological message to dig deeper. It's crystal clear. This is a message that says, put your heart, your life before God, before God's Word. Let God's Word speak to your heart and say, God, am I there? Am I checking the box? to live the love you call me to, love, to live? Am I giving the love you called me to give? This is a hard check message straight from God's Word. So today, just be challenged by that. So the big question today is this. What is real, genuine, authentic love? What does it look like? Well, I read a story about a lady who was in church one Sunday, and this lady, this woman who surprised her one day at church when this woman who had been snubbing her for many years went out of her way to give her a big hug before the service and she wondered like what made this woman initiate hugging me when she's been snubbing me all these years well she got her answered of the service because the pastor stood up and said now your assignment for next week is the same as last week I want, you, I want you to go out there and love somebody you
1: just can't stand. <laughs> just, just hug them. She's going, now I get the picture. Love is not to be a command where we just do like a, like a robot. Love you. No. If that was that easy, we'd all be great
0: at loving. But you know the sad reality is it's not that easy. Loving others is not that easy. Because why? Truly loving like we're supposed to requires constant attention and constant effort to make it reality. Because the heart of loving others, the heart of love, is putting the other person ahead of ourselves, always. From experience, as you probably know, like me, that in itself is a battle that can only be won through the empowerment of Jesus Christ. For this reason, God in His Word so gracefully has taken the whole Word from cover to cover, specifically the New Testament, and now more specific, John's writings, to clarify, to be specific, to show us to be always pushing to love one another. This passage in 1 John 3 and chapter 4 in just a moment is all about defining love for us. John, who wrote this letter for us, John walked with Jesus as a disciple. He heard Jesus himself say out of his lips, I give you a new command, brand new, love one another. Just as I loved you, you're also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. He heard Jesus say this. John witnessed Jesus then in the upper room bow down on his knees Get a towel, get a basin, and wash their feet. Jesus says, by this you will know you're my disciples if you love one another. He showed them what love looked like. Out of that experience, out of that word, John writes for us what love really is. Defining what love looks like and how how we're to show that love to others. Now, prior to the reading today, John sets the stage in 1 John 3. He sets the stage. If you've got your Bibles, turn there real quick. It's not on the screen, but I want you to hear this straight from God's Word. And there's two times he says this is how. He says in verse 16, verse 10 of chapter 3, says this. This is how God's children and the devil's children become obvious. Whoever does not do what is right is not of God, especially the one who does not love his brother or
1: sister. John goes, you want to fall out and find where you're at? There's two sides here. Whoever does not love his brother or sister is not God's child. Man. So I said it's a heart check. It's not. It's just get yourself for this
0: and let's see. I'm looking. I've been looking all week. I said, man, God, I got, oh, my goodness.
1: God, you got to work in this heart of mine because It's not where it's supposed to be. This is how. From that verse, he begins to build a
0: case in an Old Testament story about Cain killing his brother Abel, which, by the way, we'll talk about this more deeply in our Connect Groups, about the Cain and Abel section of this passage. Further developing that opposites of love and hate to define what love is. He's already written about light and darkness opposites, death and life. Truth and error, God and the devil. And now he speaks about love and hate. And after that experience, he moves into verse 16, a statement about how we know love. Now look at verse 16 again. How does it say, this is how we have come to know love, colon. I mentioned that specifically. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. <laughs> Notice how straightforward John is about how we come to know love.
1: If somebody stands before you and says emphatically, straight, this is how you know, there's no wiggle room
0: here. He's defining it. When there's a colon appears in language, that means what follows it will define, explain what preceded it. That is a marker saying what's back here will be defined over here. What's here defines what's back here. He says this is how we know love, that we Know this because he laid out his life for us. He speaks with assurance. And certainly, John does not say, Well, this is how you might find love. This is how you might know love. What does he say? This is how you know love. You cannot be any more emphatic than that. So, how do you love? How do I love? How do we experience and know this real, genuine, authentic love from God? What does He say? Emphatic. He says, "This is how we come to love." What does He say next? He laid down His life for us. Who's the He? Jesus. It's not. It's not hard. Who is He? Jesus. Yes, Jesus laid down His life for us. So John's point, the first truth in his passage about love, is this: Look to the cross. To see what love is. You and I, you, you want to know what love is, what love looks like? Look to the cross. You want to see how you're to live out this real, genuine, authentic love? Look to the cross. John's very simple. Just look to the cross. You know, we 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 think about love a lot, we talk about love quite often. We write a lot about love. We sing a lot about love. But do we really and truly know God's love? Are we living in that kind of love? Now, I'm going to fest the sin to you, okay? Confessional time. Years ago, there was a band that I love and I still love to this day, Current Sin. <laughs> Not really. Uh, but a band by the name of Foreigner. They would not appear on a stage in a church, but they appear on many stages. And I love Foreigner. Is anybody sinful with me today? You like Foreigner? Have you listened to them? They wrote a song called Cold as Ice, and I, I crank. If you're beside me in traffic in the car, the windows are down. My, my windows are shaking, and I'll just get away in a minute. But it's shaking because I love that song. But it's the that one I love more than that. It's a ballad. They wrote a song called this. I want to know what love is. You remember that song? I won't sing it, so please don't sing it from, to me. I won't sing it to you. But they wrote a song that says, I want to know what love is. Now, I know they were not talking about this genuine, real, authentic love from God. They're talking about a different kind of love, but the principle applies. In that song, it says this, I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. I want to feel what love is. I know you can show me. I think those lyrics ring out of John's gospel, John's letter right here. God, if we look to God and God, we say that to God, God says, I'll show you. It's the cross. God, I want to know what love is. And God says, look to my son, Jesus. God, I want to feel what love is. He said, experience him as your Savior. There's no question about answering those questions. John deals deeply with this issue. If we truly want to know what love is, want to be shown what love is, and to feel what love is, just look at the cross. In that cross, what Jesus has done for us in our place as a perfect, ultimate sacrifice for our sins, totally undeserving, that is love.
1: I want to ask you something. Have you ever lost something and gone on a mission to find it?
0: You ever gone searching around your house and in your car and everywhere you can
1: go for something and you don't know where it is? You misplaced it? I've done this before. i would be wandering around the house or the office or
0: somewhere else and i would be looking like, you know, you know something's wrong. With them. I'm like, like this. And what are you doing? Where are my reading glasses? I can't find my reading glasses. Uh, Mike, they're on your head. Oh, has anybody ever done that one? Confession time? Getting old enough, we don't remember things, plus losing our glasses. That's us. That's me. God says you can so easily forget this. We can go looking in all these other places, all these other circumstances, all these situations, all these other relationships. He said the reality of love is staring right in front of you. It's been there all the time.
1: It's called the cross. Don't go looking anywhere else. We, in defining love, we just got to look to the cross. If you don't know want real love is, look
0: to the cross. And that leads us to the second truth in this passage that John would tell us. Look to define love in this, look to the cross to see how we're to live out love to others. You see, we know love by looking at Jesus. Then we realize how we're to live out that love and give that love to others. Look at verse 16, the last part. He says what? We should also partner up, lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. He's saying if Jesus loved you that way, you're to do the same. If you truly understand this, this is your calling. Do the same to your brothers and sisters. If we truly belong to God in Christ, He says we will live
1: and love after the pattern of Jesus and not the pattern of this world. That's how we will love. We will love sacrificially. We will love generously. We will love without limits.
0: We'll love like Jesus. The Bible says if you want to see love, look at the cross. The Bible says if you want to show to show love, look at the cross. The Bible says if you want to know love, look at the cross. The Bible says if you want to live love, look at the cross. You see, we see, we show, we know, we live, and we give love when we consider that penal substitutionary sacrifice of the Son of God on our behalf. He lived the life we should have lived, but, but didn't. And he died the death we should have died, but don't have to die. This kind of love of Jesus at his core is all about self sacrifice. It's all about self substitution. If we really understand the magnitude of what he has done for us and those implications for eternity, the automatic response is to know and show love. Automatic. Now look at verse 17. If anyone has this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? John introduces a negative example using a greater to lesser argument from verse 16 tied here. See, Jesus had a life to give. We have stuff and means and ways to give to share Jesus with others. Jesus saw your need my need and gave his very life. We see the needs of others and we're to give. But he says right here if you with, with, sometimes we withhold we don't share. He says if we withhold and don't share, he says, how is God's kind of love in your heart? Because those two don't mix together. If you know this love of Jesus you're not going to withhold. You know, I was reading this passage and a very famous statement for us is to go overboard. We look at people and in, in a hopefully genuine, but sometimes we just say it because it, we can say things, you know, not do things. So, I, well, I'd die for you. But yet the practicality hadn't, hadn't started. And the person who's truly in need says, you know, for you to tell me you would die for me, that sounds wonderful, it sounds awesome, it sounds noble, it sounds spiritual, but why are willing to die for me? Uh, would, you, would you give me something to eat? Why are willing to die for me? Would you just simply share a shirt or a coat with me because I need it? Why you're willing to die for me, would you let me sleep on your couch till I get back on my feet? Being willing to die for me is great, but would you maybe help me with my power bill because I'm struggling right now? You're willing to die for me, it's wonderful, but can you help me with medication
1: for my kids because I'm down and out and I need medicine for them? You see, they see, you see, I don't need you to die for me. I just need a little help. In today's world, as a statement called, talk is cheap. It applies
0: here. And I think it has more biblical content than what we realize. Because John is so straightforward with a convicting question. In 17, he says, if you do this, if we withhold, how does God's love reside in us, in him, in her, in all of us? How does that happen? It's because John knows this. In your hands, your hands, my hands are evidence of my heart. Totally. John knows closed hands is a sign of a closed, cold heart. Open hands are a sign of an open, love, charitable, giving heart. These
1: things out here speak to our heart. There's no other thing that we need to speak, they give evidence of what's in here.
0: The gospel of God's grace is seen and experienced in Jesus. Look at verse 18. He says, Little children, Calling us to the point of sin just before your father. Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. Love and truth go together. Love is an action word. This is piggybacked off of James, the half-brother of Jesus. What did he say? About the same thing about love and action and truth. He says in James 2, he says, If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, And one of you says to him, go go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs. What good is it? He says, in the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. But someone would say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. That's why last week when our missionaries were on the stage, they spoke to several things that... That child, whether in our backyard and beyond, who does not have school supplies that they need, or whatever, it might be the holes in their shoes, whatever, might be our coat in the wintertime. They don't have food on the table. Until we address that immediate physical need, we can't get to the gospel of Jesus Christ. How do you hear the gospel when you're hungry? How do you hear the gospel when there's current needs in your life? We do a couple things in mission efforts. We speak to addressing food, shelter, clothing, education in other countries' workforce. We speak to these things. But we know this, it's driven by the gospel. The gospel encompasses all that food, shelter, clothing, and education. Why? These things speak love that gets us to the pathway to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We love in action and in truth. That's the way we do. That's what we're called to do by this love that God has displayed for us. We love both in our motives and our actions. He wants us to love and care for others just like we've been loved and cared for by Jesus. Living out the gospel. Loving the way Christ has loved us the right way. And real love means this. we got open ears. we got open eyes. We have open hands for people around us. So we see love on display. Look at the cross. We look at the cross see how we're supposed to live out this love. the last thing is this, if you look at the cross, and we know what love is, and we don't live and give love like Jesus, John says we're living a lie. We're living a contradiction. Look at verse 19 in chapter 4. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother or sister, he's a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. I will tell you this, and this is so convicting. I believe verse 19 here in 1
1: John 4 is the most simple and straightforward verse in all the Bible. We love. Why? Because He first loved
0: us. God took the initiative on your behalf and mine. He loves us, and the love that now abides in us, has been perfected in us, overflows in loving words and actions to others. He says, if we're not loving others like we ought to, then we don't know God's love like we should. He said, if we claim God's love and don't display God's love and give God's love and live God's love, then it's a contradiction, which is
1: a lie. And there's the heart check. Verse twenty: the one person says one thing, it does another. Doesn't flesh it out. He uses the opposites to get our attention.
0: This love and hate scenario here. Another statement: if anyone says, he said, if
1: you say this, but not living it out, there's something amiss. We might not be connecting. John also uses
0: that lesser and greater analogy in verse 20. He says, For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. The main point is if you, have, if you don't have the
1: ability to love the people around you that you can see, how can we love a God we've not seen? God
0: said, I'm putting them in front of you. I'm putting my mission field in front of you in your backyard and beyond. If you don't love them, how can you love me? Because you've never seen me. Because they're my creation. They're my creatures. They're my, what I'm calling you to. You know, John Stott, a great theologian, said it this way. He said, it is obviously easier to love and serve a visible person than an invisible God. He said, and if you failed in the easier task, it is absurd to claim success in the harder
1: task. <laughs> If I can't complete the easy one, how can I do the hard one? Now, clarification. John is obviously talking about us
0: with fellow believers. He references brothers and sisters throughout this whole section. Brothers and sisters are people who know Jesus, who know Christ as their Savior and Lord, who are within the body of Christ. That's what he's speaking to. He's directly referencing our relationship with one another within the body of Christ as brothers and sisters in the family of God. But John would quickly say to all of us, these same principles applies to people who are brothers and sisters of ours in the world, like people that are not part of the body of Christ, in general, God's creation. These same principles would apply. We love as Christ has loved us. We love by looking at the cross and what Christ has done for us. We love in that way to others defining what that love looks like, how it's supposed to be acted out. And by the way, if we look at the cross, what is the defining moment when the cross came about? When the cross came about and before you came to know Him, He had already died in your place on the cross for your sin. And what does Scripture say in Romans? But while We were still sinners.
1: Christ died for us. While they are locked in their ways,
0: while they are locked in ways without Jesus, we love the way Christ would love. We love sacrificially. We love full on, fully engaged to love them as Christ loves in grace and in truth we love.
1: That's how Christ loves. See, John would say this, you can't say you love God and not serve others
0: in the world. He'd say you can't say you love God and not meet the needs of all people in the world around you. John would say you can't love God and not serve people in your backyard. You can't love God and not serve people beyond your backyard. He would say, you can't love God and not live and give love among all people of every race, every age, everywhere. Because that's how God loves. God loves so much, He gave His life. In another way, this all ties together. I want to reflect you back to the beginning of the church, the birthing of the church in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit has come down showered down, just blasted in that place, shaking the foundations among them. Peter preaches. The church begins to gather in Acts 2. And the church begins doing what the body of Christ is doing in that time. They're being persecuted. They're being ridiculed. They're they're gathering together as new believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's sort of a summarizing statement for me is 47 in Acts 2. And it says, they had favor... They were praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And I want to challenge you with this thought. In Acts 2, 47, all the people that they shared, they they enjoyed
1: favor from? Guess who all the people were? All the people was not just the church. All the people was
0: the world around them. Because what was happening? The church body, the body of Christ at that moment... Why did they share favor? Because, read it, they had all things in common. They sold possessions and property distributed based on need. They were devoted to each other, meeting together. They ate with joyful sincere hearts. You see, the way that they took care of each other, the way they shared all things, the way they were devoted to each other, the way that they were full of joy and sincerity, all of that opened up opportunities to share in the world around them. So, we're commanded to love the way Jesus loves out there. We're commanded to love like Jesus in here. And if we don't love like we're supposed to love in here to get out there, we're doing detriment to the kingdom of God. And if we love the way Christ says love within the body of Christ, we will share favor with all the people because they will look in and go, you, you, y'all are weird, but it's a good kind of weird. You actually do love each other. You're devoted to each other. You're sincere, you're joyful. Look at all this stuff in the world around you, but you've got joy.
1: How is that possible? Well, let me tell you, and we share about Jesus, how he's changed our lives.
0: Then we meet. need to do this. Then what happens at the end of that passage? It says, God added to the church daily those who are being saved. This love factor, here within us as the body of Christ and out there in the world, backyard and beyond, by giving and going, we're blessed to be a blessing. All this stuff we will reap those kind of benefits. If we're not reaping it, it might be because we're not loving like we're supposed to love. Because we've got to love this, experience this, and live this out. The progression of love, as we see it here, as we are aware of Jesus' love for us, and we experience Jesus' love that he has for us, We will then live and give the same kind of love to others.
1: So the question is, are you aware of Jesus' love for you today? Have you experienced Jesus' love in your life as of today? And are you ongoing experiencing it day by day, every day? Does your heart need a checkup? I want to
0: make sure you know that you're aware that Jesus died for every one of us in our place. I want you to know that you can experience His love right here and right now. And maybe you say, Yeah, I came to Christ a long time ago and I experienced that love, but I sort of fall, fallen away. It's time to get this heart warm again, get reengaged.
1: As our song said, God, break my heart for what breaks yours, help me to shine in the darkness. You've never become aware and never experienced
0: it or gotten cold and not experienced it right now. Let the day be the day of change. We're going to sing a song right now, a beautiful, powerful worship song called alabaster heart. All right, we bring our hearts to God, just like an alabaster vessel saying, God, we're bringing it to you as a sacrifice, lifting our hearts to you and God, just break it down. I bring it to you. We bring it before an alabaster cross. Because what happened to the cross? Jesus shed his life, was broken for us. And when he was broken, what spilled out? The healing of his grace and his mercy in our lives. God, take my heart and break it today. Make it what it needs to be today. This alabaster heart of mine. I pray in your, this time of song, drill down deep in your heart. Let God have your heart this morning. The altar is open where you can come and pray. You can pray where you stand, but search your heart before God today. Say, God, do I know you love? God, am I loving the way you called me to love? Let's stand together. Father in heaven, I pray this day, we bring our hearts to you, just like the lady brought the alabaster jar of ointment, the the perfume to you to anoint your feet because she was so grateful for what you've done in her life. God, may we bring our hearts just like that vessel, this alabaster heart to be broken by you for you to remake it as it needs to be remade. Father, it's all about you, not about us. Being that worship, we pray. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this week's sermon. For more information about Summit Community Church, please check out our website at summitchurch.me. Or on social media on Facebook or Instagram at SCC Morganton.